Hey, welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, the podcast where I share all about biohacking and my health journey. Um, and today I have uh, Trisha Nelson on with us, who is an author, speaker, and emotional eating expert, which is very cool because this is something that I actually see a lot with my own clients, um, but I've never really like dug deep into it on a podcast episode before. So welcome. I'm very excited to have you. Thanks so much, Brittany. I'm super happy to be here. Awesome. Well, first, I would love for you to share with us kind of how you got into this specific industry and this part of emotional eating. Like, what was your journey? And yeah, like, like, how did you get there? So I ate a lot of food. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of I'm like, I got there on this long journey of eating. So um, which is really true. I, I was really an emotional eater from the get-go and just obsessed with food. I just love to eat. I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to serve food to other people. I love to go out to dinner. It just was a big highlight for me. And, you know, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. And ostensibly there isn't except for the little, um, detail that I gained weight really easily. So by age 20, I was 50 pounds overweight and not okay with it. I was not happy about that. And I, you know, had a lot of really negative thoughts about my body. I had this role in that my tummy that I would scrunch up and imagine cutting it off. I'm thinking, well, it's just fat, like this roll of fat on my tummy, you know, how you can cut fat off the side of a steak. I'm like, Hmm, maybe I could cut this off, mm. you know, <laughs> um, thank God I didn't try it, but you know, I thought about, Oh, maybe I'll join the army and be forced to go through boot camp Cause I hated exercise or maybe, um, I get some disease where I'd automatically lose weight. So some pretty crazy thoughts around food mm. and my body. Yeah. Because I just felt so out of control. Like I, you know, by that time I had tried several diets and exercise programs and, you know, I had been searching for a while. And even though I could lose weight for a period of time, I couldn't keep it off. So I would end up putting the weight back on and just feeling really defeated by that. And by my like really insatiable hunger too. So, you know, and I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I was a yo-yoer. So I'd be like up 30, down 20, up 10, you know, down 20, I was all over the map. So I never knew what size I was going to be. And I was always mm -hmm. holding on to hope that I could reach my goal weight, but it was just a, a frustrating journey for me. And it wasn't until I just had this light bulb moment, which is that I just thought I can't keep doing the yo-yo thing. Like I was young, you know, I was in my twenties and I just thought I can't do this forever. I know it's not healthy to be gaining and losing all the time. And Soon after I realized that something had to change and I didn't know what it was, but soon after I met somebody who showed me a whole different path. And that path was one of addressing emotional eating. Mm. 
you know, my relationship with food and my dependence on food for things that had nothing to do with nutrition. So when I started looking at that, that's when everything changed for me. And I've, by the grace of God, I've been in a thin body ever since. So that was really the key for me. It's like, I wasn't lacking in nutritional information or, you know, I, I knew that salads were probably a better choice than pizza, you know, but mm-hmm. I want a pizza. So it's like, how do I change that longing that I have um, and change my hunger so that I can make healthier choices and feel good about them. So that's kind of how it all came about. And then after doing that work with my mentor, um, I worked with him to help others for many, many years decades actually. And then, uh, not too long ago, about four and a half years ago, I founded heal your hunger as a way of really, uh, working online, um, to help women around the globe with emotional eating specifically, you know, people are kind of beat up from the whole diet roller coaster ride and really are looking to heal the root causes of why they overeat. So that's how everything happened. Mm. Yeah. That's so interesting. I like, I've never personally focused on emotional eating that much. Like I've always, my own health journey was very much healing gut health issues and hormones and other things like that with not necessarily placing a lot of emphasis on why I was eating or -hmm. how much I was eating. So it's interesting that you like placed so much emphasis on that and got so many results. And then we're able to like replicate that for your clients. Like that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Mm, I'm so grateful. I love what I get to do. And it is all based on what I did, you know, and then of course the work I did with other emotional eaters, but I still, I still on a daily basis do what I teach, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm not cured. You know, I want to maintain this beautiful relationship. I, you know, a neutral neutrality mm. I have around food. So I keep doing what I'm telling other people to do. Oh, good. I love that. Um, so can you define what emotional eating is for like people who hear this term and just don't really understand it. Sure. Uh, it's really like eating for emotional reasons, like out of, uh, some kind of emotional impulse versus a need for food and survival, basically. I mean, uh, we have to eat to subsist. Um, you know, we have to eat and every day we have to have a certain number of calories in order to feel satisfied and energized. Um, but for me, I ate, because I needed food to do something for me on an emotional level. I needed it to make me feel good Mm. or feel better. You know, I needed it to kind of shut down certain things that I didn't want to face. So it really is eating, you know, as a way of stuffing our emotions. Mm. And what are the typical emotions that are tied with eating like this? Yeah. Well, my experience, you know, and I've done a lot of research on this, there's three primary emotions. I mean, there's so many emotions, like we experience jillions of emotions every day, mm-hmm. but, um, but I really whittled it down to three primary emotions and ways that food serves us. Cause we think about what food, you know, when we overeat what it does to us, we don't think what it's doing for us. Like, why do we turn to food? And so my experience is, um, I've given people what I call the, the pep test, And um, this is a way for people to sort of see the three primary drivers. And the P is a PEP, PEP is an acronym. And the first P stands for painkiller. So food is a natural painkiller. And that's probably more so the heavier foods, the starches, the sugars, the heavy fats, 
you know, if you can get them all in one three, you know, I, I used to call those my three favorite food groups, you know, sugars, fat, and starch. (laughs) So if you can get them all in one item, like a donut or pastry or something like that, great. You know, um, so I, um, would eat because when I ate heavier foods like that, starchy carb rich foods, they would deaden my feelings and I wouldn't feel pain. And so, um, and it's unconscious. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna eat a donut so I can kill my feelings. I mean, we don't think like that. We're like, oh, I really want a donut. We have these cravings for food. We are foodies, you know, emotional eaters, but it's more than just liking food. Like I was convinced, oh, I just like food until, you know, I really started taking a look at my relationship with food. And I saw that sure enough, you know, when I was craving heavy foods is because I didn't want to face or feel what was going on. And pain is everywhere. I mean, it's, you know, if you have a relationship that's not working, if you have a job that maybe you've outgrown, but you're afraid to leave, um, or you get fired, you know, if you have a parent who's sick or a child who's dysregulated, I mean, life has plenty of pain to dish out. And so we use food as a way of kind of softening the edges of painful emotions and experiences. So that's the first way that food serves us when we overeat, when we eat for comfort. The E and PEP stands for escape. And we use food as a form of escape from an unpleasant reality. You know, when we Mm. have fear, when we have worry, you know, that can really get the best of us. And so when we eat late at night, you know, watch TV and kind of zone out, we're really eating to escape things that are unpleasant. And, you know, the pandemic was a good example of that. Like everybody was starting to emotionally eat once all of a sudden you can't go out of your house or, or you might die. It's like, oh my God, like this is a whole different reality that I was not prepared for. So everybody was checking out with food and, mm-hmm. you know, and what, you know, it seemed so, so that's another way that we use food as a form of escape. And the last way is a form of punishment, the last P in PEP. And that's kind of counterintuitive because we think of food as reward, like, oh, I just want to get my favorite goodies sit in front of TV, veg out, you know, it's a great thing to do on a Friday night after a long, hard week of working. So we think of it as a reward, but for somebody who goes overboard re- regularly, you know, and ends up binging or get feeling stuffed and sick and bloated and their pants are tight the next day, it's like, really, is that a reward or a punishment, you know? And so it's like, why would we do that? And oftentimes it's because we have underlying guilt, you know, overeaters are overfeelers. Like we feel a lot and we feel guilty about a lot of things. And, um, and we beat on ourselves when we mess up. So uh, a lot of times that's, what's really happening is we're just sort of in despair about, you know, our relationship with ourselves, which can be very contentious and and we tend to be mean to ourselves with food. So these are the three motivators, uh, painkiller escape and punishment, the PEP. Mm -hmm. And it's, I just sort of simplify it to that because people can start to say, Hmm, you know, if they are going to the refrigerator, like five times of an evening, like, Hmm, what's going on? Am I looking for, you know, uh, a little escape? Am I looking to, you know, uh, kill or crush some, some painful feelings that I don't want to face, or am I feeling bad about something? And I, you know, instead of addressing it, am I just beating myself up? So it's questions people can ask themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely can relate to all of those. And 
and can see how easy it would be to do that. And especially with the pandemic, like I was thinking about that too, like how, how many opportunities we've had for emotional eating in terms of like, like punishment or, or just like, how do I get through this new wave, this new time that I don't understand, or maybe I lost my job. Like there's just, emotions are just so heightened in the last like year and a half for most people. So um, and I know like a lot of people have put on weight during this time, um, sure. due to like overeating, emotional eating, uh, lack of exercise, lack of leaving the house, stress lifestyle, yep. like so many different things. So it's, it's really difficult. Um, but like how, like, would your first step with a client be to raise awareness of their eating habits or like, how can someone like look at their life and be like, Oh, okay. I actually am emotionally eating. Like, well, like how do they, how do they become aware of that in the first place? Yeah. Good question. I have a quiz that I often direct people to as a first step because it's a quiz that sort of helps people know if they are an emotional eater or not, or even a food addict, because I, I really feel like it's a spectrum and, you know, I I think we all have a proclivity to overeat now and then like food is yummy and it's easy to do. Right. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so emotional eating is something I think we all probably have the ability to do. It's just that some people take it further, you know, to where it's really a problem. They have consequences from it and they, they lose control, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's sort of where somebody is on that spectrum is qualified by how much control does somebody have to kind of scale back or course correct um, or not. And then how much, you know, is it affecting their lives? Like, what are the consequences? Are they health, do they have health challenges mm-hmm. on account of the food choices they're making? You know, are they feeling embarrassed, not wanting to be with friends anymore? So they're not so social, you know, are they feeling like, do they keep their video off on zoom? You know? So, mm. um, yeah. And then is it like, really, is it really keeping somebody trapped? You know, or you st- don't want to have sex anymore because you feel yucky about your body. Like right. there's so many consequences, you know, lack of self-confidence, um, anxiety. There's a lot of things that go along with this. Mm-hmm. So, but somebody can start with a quiz, you know, are you an emotional eater or are you a food addict, you know, and you can find out by taking that quiz. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's also, I mean, I so appreciate having me on here because like when I first heard about emotional eating, my sister was the one who came home one day and was like, I'm an emotional eater. And I didn't really like her. We didn't get along very well. So anything she said, I dismissed, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, but I couldn't unhear it, you know? Mm -hmm. And after that, I started observing my relationship with food. And I started realizing it's not really that normal. Like I go out to lunch with friends and they'll order a sandwich and it'll come with fries and they'll eat their sandwich and pick up their fries but I'll eat the fries and pick up my sandwich. Like something's different about mm. me, <laughs> you know, like, Interesting. yeah, I can't leave a French fry on a table. That's. And so I started realizing like, I'm not the same with food as a lot of my friends are like, it's definitely this obsession. So, um, but anyway, the, the quiz is a good place to start. And also just like realizing when you're wanting to reach for food, what's going on? Like, are, do you really need the food? you know, and chances are, it's like, no, I actually ate a couple hours ago. (laughs) It's I'm not starving, even though I'm telling myself I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, so I, I did that quiz and I think it said I was a two out of four emotional eater. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was interesting. Some of the questions, because there were things that I haven't 
really thought about before. Mm. Um, like, do you overindulge in food when no one's home? Like when you're alone Mm. or do you like throw out like quote unquote bad food and then go back and get it a few hours later, (laughs) which I feel like I've like seen in a movie or like a TV show or something like someone throws out the cake and then someone goes and gets it or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Seinfeld, Seinfeld had a episode about that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's just so interesting. Like, and I think, yeah, like just in the last year and a half, like personally, like I, well, always, I've never been a emotional eater in terms of like, I'm upset and I'm going to eat to feel better. Mm -hmm. Like I actually go, I swing the opposite way. So when I'm very upset, like crying or whatever it is, like break up, whatever, Mm -hmm. I actually don't eat at all. Like, like at all, Mm -hmm. which has its own consequences because then my blood sugar gets all over the place. And, um, my energy is so low Mm. that I need to kind of like eat to pick up myself. Um, but in the last year and a half, I think I've been eating, like, I, I don't think I overeat at all, but I definitely like eat for comfort almost, you know, Mm -hmm. like kind of this idea of like, Oh, let me make this thing that is like high fat. And even if the fat is healthy, right. Like, you know, like some sort of eggs or cheese or like whatever I eat, like something healthy, Mm -hmm. it's still that feeling of like, let me have this thing that feels like calorically dense and like very Mm -hmm. satisfying because right now in my work, I'm stressed and the world is stressed. And like, this feels like an escape, like you said. So I think it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just so easy to do, you know, so yeah. it's not, and not anything, anybody should beat themselves up about it's, it's perfectly normal and yeah. um, common. It's just that, you know, if you do it too often, there are consequences that you're not going to like, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, you know, we got to address it. Otherwise we have to address the symptoms that happen on account of it. Where do you like, where do you think that line is between oh, let me eat a bag of chips in front of the TV. And, oh, I'm actually doing this every single night. Like, like where's the line between, oh, this is okay. And, oh, this is too much now. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's, I mean, it's a personal thing for one thing, everybody Mm. has to diagnose themselves, but, um, and the quiz can help like just, that can be eye opening in and of itself. Like, oh, I'm a three or a four. If you're three or a four, you're, you know, it's a, it's a problem for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, on, on that quiz, but Um, it really is, you know, level, like how out of control are you? Because it feels really bad to feel out of control around food. Yeah. You know, it just feels bad. And people are so out of control that they don't even want to eat, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. why intermittent fasting has become such a fad in, you know, for emotional eaters, at least, you know, there's the science is good for, for intermittent fasting, but I find that emotional eaters use it like they use everything else as a diet hack you know, yeah. weight loss hacks, in which case it's not going to work, you know, like yeah. it's fail. Um, uh, but also people like it if they're emotional eaters, because then they can stay away from the kitchen longer mm-hmm. and they're so out of control of food. They're like, if I go in there, all hell's going to break loose. And mm. I say to people, there's a better way. Like you don't have to just not eat in order to stay in control. Like that's, you know, that's not a winning solution, you know, like Mm -hmm. it'd be better to deal, you know, to go deeper, deal with your emotions, find better ways to cope with stress. And then you can be neutral about around food where you don't need it and you're not out of control with it. You know, that's, that's going to be a safer bet because 
food is, shouldn't be the enemy. You know, it shouldn't be the enemy and we shouldn't feel out of control, but the out of control thing is a big telltale sign. If somebody's really like scared of food or scared or continually losing control, like I was a binger. So, you know, once I started, it was hard for me to stop. So, and not like Brock, I'm not talking broccoli and carrot, broccoli and carrots. I'm talking about like, once I started eating chips, once I started eating ice cream, like I yeah. could never eat part of a pint of ice cream. Like to me, a, like up the pint is the serving, you know? Right, right. So I'd, I'd take the lid off and get a spoon, you know? And so, um, I just, I just, I could eat large quantities of crappy foods and then feel disgusting. So the control is one thing. And then the consequences is another. And mm. the reason why the high end is food addiction of the quiz is because, you know, a classic sign of addiction is when you do it in spite of negative consequences, right. you know, like your doctors told you you're pre-diabetic and there you are eating sugar again. It's like, what's up with that? You know, well, that's when we have that uncontrollable need for the stuff you know, Mm. and we, we eat it anyway. Like we know what it's doing to us. It's not, that's why diets are so limited in what they can do for us. Because if you think about it, you know, for anybody who's been struggling with food and weight for any length of time, they're not stupid. Like they're pretty, you know, pretty much all nutritional information is similar, (laughs) you know, like it's not really that out there. Like, uh, it's, you know, vegetables are good you know, nowadays it's, you know, limit, you know, limited fruit is good. Um, you don't want too much sugar. Um, and then proteins, healthy proteins, you know, Mm -hmm. paleo is, is, is good. You know, low carb is Mm -hmm. typically considered nowadays a better way to go. So it's, we're not lacking in nutritional information. We're lacking in the ability to follow through with what we know. Right. Right. And that's really the key. Yeah, I um it's interesting hearing you talk about food addiction because there's somebody in my family, uh extended family, and I I see these symptoms in him. Mm. Um and it's very interesting when I go and stay there because of course, like as a nutritionist, like I want to help and say something, yeah, yeah. but it's also like not my place. And like, mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I'm an expert in order to like communicate and, and what would I say? And like, it'd be different if you were there, of course, like an expert. Um, but for those people who have people like that in their lives where, you know, maybe, or maybe their partner is addicted to food and it's kind of just like snack after snack after snack, like every night and it's never enough. Like, like, what do you even do? Or what do you even say? Because if you're different and you don't think that way and they think a different way and their actions are different, like how can you kind of gear them towards a healthier, healthier lifestyle? It's super touchy. And it's a great, you know, question to ask because people who have been dieting forever or have struggled with food forever have dieted a lot. And so the idea of getting healthy to them equates as or translates into dieting Mm -hmm. because that's all that conventional wisdom has to offer. Okay. Doctors, they're simply, you know, they're like eat less exercise more, you know, um, eat, you know, eat, eat sugar in moderation, eat sweets in moderation. These are all concepts that conventional wisdom will tell you, but for the emotional eater, they don't work. So when somebody, you know, well-meaning tries to help somebody, you know, somebody thin and well-meaning tries to help somebody who's overweight, 
you know, and struggling, they're thinking, oh, they want me to just eat less, exercise more. Well, guess what? I've tried it. It doesn't work. You know, they want me to eat sweets in moderation. Well, guess what? That doesn't work. You know, the minute I eat is sweet, I want more sweets. And that was me. Like, why stop at one? Like, I couldn't stop at one. You know, I wanted the whole bag. And so um, there's a sense of hopelessness that people feel. And they feel a sense of defeat because they think the only thing available to them is dieting. And that's why I'm, again, I'm grateful to be here because that isn't the only way, you know, addressing emotional eating. Like I barely talk about food and nutrition in my program only because I know people, if they know, they already know, they just can't follow through. And so my goal is to help people like lighten their emotional burden, you know, and, and help them de-stress and find new tools to turn to instead of food you know, when life is stressful and also to like take new actions in their life. So they aren't as stressed out because emotional eaters also have a way of showing up in the world that creates more stress. Their personality lends itself to stress. And so I go there instead, because that's got nothing to do with food, you know, and everything to do with what you end up eating. So, and I often say, you know, really for emotional eaters, it's not an eating problem, but really a living problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause the eating is a symptom of how we're living. I'd love to quickly interrupt this podcast to ask you, do you know your biological age? Do you know your current hormone, vitamin and mineral levels? Honestly, it's hard to know what's going on internally without getting tested. And traditionally you'd have to go through your doctor or your healthcare provider to order these tests, go into a lab and it would be a whole ordeal. Um, and it would, it would take a while as well. For me personally, this has always been a hurdle for understanding what is actually going on and how to optimize my biomarkers and even know my biological age in the first place. Thankfully, though, we can order a at-home test from Inside Tracker that lets us do this. It tests for your biological age, your hormone, mineral, and vitamin levels. This is a very, very comprehensive test that lets you get a ton of data from a single kit without having to go to a doctor or go to a lab or really leave your house. If you're looking for the ultimate blood test, try Inside Tracker, which includes testing 43 different biomarkers and the option to test your inner age and your DNA. You can use my discount code BiohackingBrittany for 25% off all of their products. And you can go through there uh, through the link in my show notes or my website and get tested today. Yeah. So say, so say I'm just like thinking of when this happens for me. So say I've had like a really crazy day at work and I like grab a bag of healthy, healthy chips. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do those exist? I don't know. Um you know, and I like sit down and I put like Netflix on and I'm eating chips. Okay. Like if I'm starting to have these thoughts, especially after listening to this conversation of like, okay, am I emotionally eating? Oh yes, I am. Because, you know, I'm trying to find comfort after a stressful day. And to me lying on the couch, eating, watching Netflix feels very comforting. Mm -hmm. So after you've had that like realization of, yes, I am emotionally eating, no matter what that looks like, um, whether it's comfort or pain or um, anything like you, like you previously said, like, what is the next step? Like, do you just put down the food or like specifically, like, what do you do once you're aware of it? 
Yeah, well, um, in that particular situation, if you are aware of it, obviously, if, and you can stop, if you can be like, you know what, I've probably had enough chips, you know, and you can stop mm-hmm. and put the bag away, do it. You know, that's important. But I will say it's easier to start before the chips get bought, mm-hmm. you know, and so having chips in the house, probably not going a plan, good plan if you tend to overeat on them. Right. You know, and I, I would want the whole bag. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm a carb addict. I'm a sugar addict. Give me one. I want it all. But, um, but my experience is it's really too late when, you know, when we have the chips in hand and mm. what's a better way to go is really to start, you know, looking at our stress levels and looking at, you know, our resources for energy um, for emotional stability. And that starts earlier, like in the morning, mm. for instance. So I, you know, I, I teach something what that's what I call the self six self-care success secrets. And I have people start their day with some kind of morning routine that can help them get still and quiet and connected to their source. Okay. Source with a capital S. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, some kind of spiritual source, some kind of sense of oneness with the universe or nature or God, whatever you want to call it, you know, and uh, whatever speaks to you. But when we, you know, we tend to pop out of bed, go answer emails, you know, text, make phone calls, whatever. And we start the day with stress and it's really important to carve out time in the morning. Even if you have to get up earlier than everybody else in the house, it's so worth it. Like carve out time where you can meditate or pray, Mm -hmm. or do stretches with sweet music, spiritual readings, you know, I I do a combination of all these things um, in the morning as my morning routine, so I can get connected with my divine spirit, Mm -hmm. and and when I do that, that is going to fill me in a way that, you know, that I can draw on later in the day, so I call it putting money in the spiritual bank account. Hmm. And so I can draw on that later in the day when I'm stressed, when I've built up all these different stressors from everybody needing something from me through the day or going from here and there and everywhere, you know, one thing to the next, Mm -hmm. um, because we're going to be stressed out by the end of the day. So we have to find out, find ways to de-stress or to be, be in a more centered place. So we don't like act stressed, you know, like, or add stress that's unnecessary in our day. Um, and when we're grounded and connected with ourselves, um, we tend to be saner through the day. We tend to be, make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that's really important for, for emotional eaters, that's very rare for emotional eaters is setting boundaries in our time, you yeah. know, not taking everything on as emotional eaters. We we're, we're typically people pleasers, you know, we get a sense of ourselves from doing for others, from getting out of girls from others, mm. you know, and, um, and so it's really important that we, uh, you know, take a look at that. Like, what am I doing in my life? And do I need to be doing everything I'm doing? Or am I doing it just because I want to be well thought of, you know, I want people to approve of me, or they'll be mad at me if I don't do it, you know, what committee can I excuse myself from? Do I have to do everything? You know, and we tend to just take on too much, put too much on our plate, so to speak. Um, And that causes stress. So there's a lot of sort of systemic issues at hand that have nothing to do with food, but everything to do with why we end up eating at the end of the night, things we don't really want to eat, 
or Mm -hmm. things we know won't feel good after we've eaten them. So it's really, you know, the moment when we're eating on the couch, you know, watching YouTube uh, or Netflix, that's a little too late, you know, it's going to happen if we don't kind of go macro on our lives and see where can we cut out stress? Where can we start filling, you know, our cup um, with more nourishing things than chips and candy, you know, like where Mm. can we, where can we really get the nourishment we need? Cause it's really not food we're hungry for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. I think it's, it's just reflective of something else that may be missing or yeah, something deeper that is going on. Um, yeah, if I, I just find this like so interesting and I totally agree with not having the stuff in the house. Like I've always been like that. Like I don't want to buy chips. I don't want to buy any of that because I know that if it's in the house, I'll eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's too easy. It's I mean, too, my, it's my too, boyfriend's yeah. not an emotional eater, but he's like, if you buy potato chips, I will eat the whole bag. Like that's his nemesis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like everybody's got something and it's just easy to do. It's snacky, snacky foods are very consumable <laughs> for yes. a reason, yes. you know, and they're usually not the healthiest choices for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. When I go grocery shopping, I'm very careful of like what I bring home and how big it is to like portions and all that type of thing. Cause it, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like by the time you're sitting on the couch, eating it, it's a little too late. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hard, yeah. hard to close that bag. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you find that there's more people who are emotional eaters or more people who are food addicts? Uh, probably emotional eaters. I think we all, mm. you know, I think we're hardwired to have an emotional connection with food. So I think that, yeah. you know, it's more common to just once in a while go overboard, you know, once in a while gets, you know, stuff yourself, not, not meaning to, um, the food addiction is, is a real addiction. I mean, it's, it's an addiction. It's a, it's a more of a process addiction. Like it's, it's, you have to eat. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like sex. Like you kind of, Mm. you don't have to have sex, but sex, you know, sex addiction is kind of one of those things where you have to draw the lines somewhere, but it doesn't mean you have to have total abstinence. Um, you can't have total abstinence from food like you can from alcohol or drugs, um, mm-hmm. which is why it's trickier and why you have to go deeper. You know, if you can just put the yeah. plug in the jug, you just stay away from alcohol and it's not really a temptation, but when you have to take that tiger out of the cage three times mm-hmm. a day, pet the kitty and then put it back in the cage without getting your ass torn off. That's yeah. like, that takes some more, you got to be more conscious. You have to be more emotionally stable. You have to be more spiritually like, like yeah. plugged in in order to do that. Cause that's tricky. Yeah. I also just wonder how much of this is like rooted in our childhood and like what we learn about food and our bodies as children. And like, what we see our parents do, like, there's got to be some sort of like correlations there. Absolutely. No question about it. And I have a lot of moms talk to me about their kids who are, you know, addicted to food. My sister's Mm. child child is addicted to food and she sneaks foods and she's total sugar addict. And my sister can tell when she's been binging because she's 12, her face blows up, you know, and my sister has her own issues with food that she's been in recovery for, for a long time, but it's, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know, and it's, um, but I have a lot of moms talk to me about their kids and I say, 
there's very, you know, there's things you can do, but you're very limited as their mother. Like they, they have their own path. I mean, my mom had issues with food when I was, you know, younger. She, and and I also genetically got it too. Both my parents were Mm. overweight when they were Mm -hmm. younger. So I have that genetic disposition to gain weight easily. Um, But it's, you know, food is our teacher. And I just try to tell moms like your kids on their path and they're going to have to figure it out you know, focus on yourself. Cause when you're hyper-focused on your kids eating, it's not going to help, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so focus on your own relationship with food. I mean, I don't know anybody who couldn't use an up level in their relationship with food. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I say, just focus on your own, like try to get healthier yourself. And that's going to make it you know, like when you feel better about yourself, when you feel better about your body. It's going to energetically translate, you know, to some degree, And also just, you know, know you can't control your kid. You know, if it's really an addiction, it means they're powerless and it means you're powerless, you know, Mm. like you can't fix it. Yeah. That's so hard though. Like it's it's way hard. (laughs) Like it's hard for both people. It's hard for the parents watching your kids going through that. And then it's hard for the kids who are not equipped at all to handle some sort of addiction like that or like. And they probably think everybody is like that, right? Like they probably think it's normal to be eating that much or like constantly thinking about food because they don't know any better because they're so young. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, my sister will say to her child, like when her child wants to have seconds on pasta or rice, like, Mm. oh, well, can you like, she's like, mom, I want more. And, you know, my sister say, okay, can you, can you kind of just, you know, pause for a minute and just kind of check in with yourselves. Like she'll be really gentle and say, mm-hmm. can you check in and kind of see, is this hunger or, or is it coming from just a place of boredom or kind of what's going on? So she tries to teach that to her, but you know, it's, she's limited again in, in how effective it is because she just mm-hmm. wants more pasta. She wants mm-hmm. to eat the carbs and the sugar. That's what she wants. That's what she's drawn to you know, and she's trying to soothe herself with food. And it's just a, you know, and she has a a twin, they're not, uh, you know, they're not identical, but she has a twin who's a stick. She's just a stick. She's skinny and has no issues with food. And that's not easy either, you know, to to have that difference. You're putting on weight and your twin is like, you know, twiggy. So um, it's just not easy, but you know, we all have crosses to bear. And I mean, frankly, my relationship with food as hard as it has been to negotiate has given me a path of freedom, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, and it's, I mean, I wouldn't be the person I am today if it hadn't been for being driven by my relationship with food to find a solution. I mean, I met, I meditate every day. Like I wouldn't do that if it weren't an integral Mm -hmm. part of my just have being peaceful around food. Like that's what keeps me doing it. And I've been doing it for a lot of years. Um, you know, I'm just a better person because I've needed these new tools of self-care and self-reflection, self-awareness. I've had to do a lot of work for myself and my stuff, because what you said earlier about it being, you know, f- you know, familial, not only genetic, not only, you know, monkey see monkey do, you know, parent, you know, kids modeling their parents, Um, but also trauma, you know, I mean, anybody who's had trauma as a kid and has the propensity to gain weight typically will use food as a form of self-soothing, um, you know, something it's not easy to find, you know, options as a kid to deal with tough stuff and foods right there. So it's a very common thing that people will use. So 
definitely goes back. So I've done a lot of work, but it's made me a happier, healthier person overall. And so I, I it, none of it would have happened. I don't think if it hadn't been for food driving me, you yeah. know, so we all have teachers, you know, nobody get, you know, a friend of mine says all God, all God's children got problems. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we all got I something, right. You know, yeah. but this is a problem for which the solution will make you better and happier possibly than if you hadn't had it in the first place. Yeah. Not yeah, that very it's easy, true. you know, it's a yeah. path. It's a definitely a journey and it takes years. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the nice thing is, and what I'm grateful for is based on the experience I, I had and what I practice is I put in on a very easy step-by-step process, like easy, maybe not simple, a very clear cut process for overcoming it. Um, which helps people a lot because there can be a lot of nebulous advice around mm-hmm. food, like just eat in moderation, which we've already talked about, doesn't work for an emotional eater, or just intuitive, you know, use intuitive eating. Again, for an emotional eater who's like compelled, that's hard. Like they'll get mixed messages about what's intuitive, um, you know, mindful. Some of these terms, while very good, aren't specific enough for the emotional mm-hmm. eater who's kind of jonesing for a fix. So I just put it in very practical terms um, and instructions to make it easier for people and take the guesswork out of it. Yeah. Good. I love that. I love when it can be laid out easily for the people to understand and follow um, and really just like feel a difference on. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's really exciting. And that's, yeah. I, I want people to have those results and I, I want people to work with you if they hear this and they're like, yes, this is me. Like I'm addicted to food or I definitely eat when I'm emotional. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely what I want. So where can people find you and how can they connect with you after this? Sure. Uh, my website is healyourhunger.com, H-E-A-L, healyourhunger.com. And that quiz is on that website, you know, right there front and center. So definitely, you know, people can find the quiz there. It's free. It takes three minutes. Um, and then I am on Instagram at Trisha Nelson underscore after the N and Nelson. So Trisha Nelson underscore. Um, and also I have a free Facebook group, which is the secret sauce to end emotional eating now. Um, and lastly, I have a podcast called the heal your hunger show. And I talk a lot about the things we're talking about today. And I often talk a lot from my personal experience and personal life, <laughs> which makes mm. it kind of, yeah, kind of fun and interesting. Cool. I love that. Well, I'll definitely link that in the show notes, um, and everywhere that this gets published so people can find you. Um, yeah. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. I learned a lot and this was a great, great, um, talk. Oh, thank you so much. And I love what you're doing in the world to bring people, you know, to a greater place of health and healing. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.